0: Hi we here at the Marcoma Harmonica Party would like to thank our Patreon subscribers Thomas B, Mickey A, Steve B, Swinging on the Spiral, JDW the 4th, Douglas A, Jack O, Robert S, Woody B, Sunday S, Theo L and Clive M. If you'd like to join our party See us at patreon.com slash Mark Hummel.
1: I am here with Jim Pugh, who I go back many, many years with. I want to say probably 43 years, I think. Jesus. Something like that. I think it would probably be, a probably long, long, be longer long than that, but we wouldn't want to talk about it. Right. That. But anyway, yeah. Well, definitely back to 1980. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, Jim is a amazing keyboardist. He also is has a record, a recording company that is a non-profit called Little Village Foundation. Actually,
0: the record label is called Little Village and the foundation, the nonprofit part, the business part is, it's complicated. It's Little Village Foundation. It is called that? The foundation is, but the record company, we dropped Foundation. Oh, okay. So All it's, right.
1: just the so little, it's little Village Foundation.
0: Yes, or Little okay. Village Motherfucker. Some people.
1: Right, well... That would be from Chess Records. The uh, well, Chess thank Records, you very much. The Chess Records version. <laughs> yes, we all have that. Um, yeah. Yes. But anyway, uh, Jim has uh, been doing this a long, long while. And you're from Winnetka? Thank you, yes. I am, Outside uh, of Chicago, the yes. north suburbs, right?
0: North Shore. North Shore. Right next to Glencoe, which is where Mike Bloomfield.
1: Grew right, I, that's what I kind of thought. I had a feeling you grew up near where Bloomfield yes, grew so. up. Yeah, actually, you know, I knew. So interesting you were kind of you were kind of the second generation after Bloomfield of we were players. yeah way too yeah.
0: precocious. That was part of the part of the whole story. I say we because there was a, there was a bunch of us. You know, I know an interesting story. I when I was a kid and I grew up on when I lived. I grew up next to the train station. I read that yeah, the Northwestern train yeah. station. So I'm a, kind of a train nut. Right. But at one point, I I remember walking when I was like six, must have been five or six years old walking to the beach and standing at the corner of Tower Road, and Sheridan Road, in Winnetka. It was like a Sunday afternoon, in summertime, but about two o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon. And a whole parade of Cadillacs, brand new Cadillacs, with black people in them, all dressed up, drove by. And I remember going, because there weren't any black people right. at that time in Winnetka. Right. And, I, and even as a little kid, I just went, wow. What is that? And about three or four years ago, well, it's probably more like 10 now, Richard Cousins gave me a book about the Chess Brothers. And it said that Holland Wolf and Muddy Waters and everybody used to drive on Sundays. They would drive up Sheridan Run. For parties. And go to a barbecue yeah. at Chess, at Leonard Chess's Right. Back so there. what
1: town was Chess in? Glencoe.
0: He was? Yeah, he was okay. there. All right.
1: Isn't that, yeah, isn't that weird? As I mean, a little
0: kid, I'm sitting there going, well, how, did, goodness, how, did, "How did Richard Cousins know that?" No, because it was in. i was saying he gave me a book. Oh, I you see might the book. There's, okay. a, there's some kind of Reebok right. like, book. That's there is all a about, book yeah. like, about the, the chest golden
1: book. golden something. Right, right. that's it. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, it's
0: got this whole, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a place to start, but that was pretty. It, it had an impact, and I. So had in a lot of in a lot of
1: ways, though, I I kind of think of the you know you and Peter Damon and and a lot of your friends. Just a lot of the guys our age kind of were doing a similar thing to what Bloomfield and them were doing, but they had done it first. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, they're, and, and, you know,
0: I think Peter has a sister who, one of his sisters was like 10. We were all, me and Peter and a bunch of our friends, we were all like the youngest kids in our family. You know, mm-hmm. we were the youngest. I'm the youngest right. one. I got four brothers and sisters. Well, his oldest sister was going to the University of Chicago, and she had because it was the blue scare because we were way too young. I mean, I was listening to this stuff when I was like twelve and thirteen years old and smoking cigarettes and trying to dress like the recover of the, right. the the butterfield record. Right. And, yeah. You know, we'd stand there. and that's part of the reason why years later, when I work with Alvin and even to this day, I can't really, I get very can't nervous. Can't get comfortable, yeah. Well, I, I finally have. No, but I, know it, it took I know what you mean. it took forever because
1: it was such an idolizing kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, Those guys yeah. had a really gigantic legacy. You
0: know. Well, especially, I think I found, you know, for years later working with Kahatsa and people like that, but they didn't so much on the west coast. Maybe they did on the west coast, but really, in in Winnetka, I mean, in Winnetka, in Chicago, and in that part of the North Shore, it was huge. It was. Oh, it was a whole... huge in San
1: Francisco too. Yeah, definitely. Was it big in Glendale?
0: Where are you from? Well, I'm from L.A. Well I
1: know. It wasn't it? big in L.A. like it was in San Francisco. You know, San Francisco. They somebody, blew the scene open when when they. I came met
0: somebody. Who was I talking to recently that talked about going? That was kind of the same version of that, but in in L.A. God damn
1: it! I was well, kidding. they they played the Golden Bear when they played. In
0: LA. No, but I mean, in terms of the blues scene
1: and and uh, oh shit, I can't remember. Cut it out anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the blues scene was much different in L.A. than it, that's why I ended up in the Bay Area, was because the blues scene was much more wide open with Bill Graham and and all the expats that moved from Chicago. They all moved out there. Yeah. yeah you know, Muss White, Bloomfield, John Lee Hooker, you know, Luther Tucker, Francis Clay, all these guys moved to the Bay and kind of made it, th- that made it more of a scene in a way, you know.
0: I assume they all moved out there because of the hippie scene yeah. of the music scene because of that. Gravinitis, yeah. Gravinitis, have you ever read his autobi, the, the, the excerpt of what his autobiography is? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I just sort of discovered it. Well, anyway, I was talking about Peter Damon's sister. She right. had all the records, and we started, and somehow from that, and this is like, we were like, what year did Resurrection of Pig Boy Crab Shaw come out? That's probably 68, 67, 68. I think it's gotta it have been 67. Yeah. That was one of the first records, and when I, around that time that I got that, then I got Chicago Blues Today, which came out 65. Yeah. And those were the records to me. And then, then there was, like, Live at the Regal. Right. And that was kind of, and that's what was time. for everybody. And yeah. That's My Life Baby, that right. junior wild That's record. the same time. And then later on, uh, Left My Blues in San Francisco, which actually was a horrible name for a record. But it that's had, a great record. Yeah, that's a great
1: record. And then there's the one that Tim played on, too, Tim Cahotson. I wasn't that Played on the, the, the live record. Right. It, yeah. Was that on her or was that on Chess? Mm-mm. I was on Vanguard, and it was recorded in Berkeley. Right, at, with at the, the New Orleans, Orleans, house, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now that right. was kind of yeah. Well, Kahatsu is a whole nother.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. We should yeah. interview
0: him. Well,
1: that'd be hard. <laughs> <laughs> when <laughs> I, I get into resurrections, can <laughs> I will. <laughs> you could <can> do it. <laughs> when I get into resurrections, I will. But I mean, you know, I mean, the inter- interesting thing is we both know all these same people from that time period. You know, and uh, and I think you know you came into the blues thing. I remember I met you at Major Ponds at one point. I lived next door. They used to right. hand me drinks over the fence. And I remember you told me you played with. Was it Rubicon that became like? Yeah, that became Night Ranger. Night yeah. Ranger, that's what it was. Yeah, oh yeah, remember I played it. I played uh, like you know. Uh, uh, uh.
0: I really, because a keyboard player and as a musician, I, I really liked. When I came, you know what? I, when I came to California, and I came to San Francisco, people took me around to hear music, and I went, I don't like any of this. And then someone took me to the Keystone Berkeley to see Tower, and there mm-hmm. was like. Hell's Angels and Black Panthers and La Raza. And I went, well, this is cool. I like this. So so the, I, East Bay, the, East the East Bay, Bay, had, Bay had a good scene. Although I, I have, not it's kind of it's relevant now, but I sort of, from working with Jerry Martini in that band Rubicon, I really learned. I was a huge Sly fan, and I kind of mm-hmm. got up to know from a peripheral thing in my early 20s, all these people that were in that scene. And there is this sort of, very subliminal and kind of unknown thing of uh, San Francisco funk, which, right um, as opposed to um, the East, in terms of Oak, Oakland kind of tower. kind of Right. Thing. So and that was part of the reason I stayed, was because of the tower. And so I was sort of off into that, but I also would play, I played blues. You know, it, it was interesting because I played, I could kind of, I, to this day, I, I don't, profess to be a particularly good musician. Although I like the way I play my version of Otis Spann as much as, I mean, there are people that play it better than I think, but not many. I, I mean, I could do that. It was something that I just kind of taught myself. I'm not an expert at it, but I like the way that I do it. So, it, but at the same time that I was playing on American Bandstand and doing all those other things with Rubicon, I played on the Midnight Special. Wow. Yee! I mean, I'm not that it was. I was young for doing that too. But um, I also could go around to places like Dottie's and I could play. Right. I knew sort of the stuff that they did.
1: Yeah, and Where you said, sit. and you said when you played at Dottie's, like there was a uh, they had a B three already there. Yeah, and I also at the same time,
0: I also I started playing what I call the Mexican music, which is ranchera, kind of little Joe and La Familia. Right. Um, to make money. And also I had a lot of friends that did it. So I had this sort of, I just really, you know, uh, when I, I went to University of Pacific for about, I don't know, a cup of coffee for about three or four months. That's and then in I, Stockton? Yeah, and then I dropped out and and moved in with some people that I knew in the Fillmore district and really started to sort of, my parents had said something like, you know, okay, but when you run out of money, you can come home, and we'll talk about what you're going to do next. Right.
1: And I never went home. <laughs> I'm just I'm curious. Thinking, did you know Chris Isaac when he was going there? No, because he went there too. No. Yeah, to he did. And, and, and although we
0: both policy. knew, uh, well, he's from Stockton, and I think oh, okay. he he um, I'm not sure that he was actually a, a, a you know he was a day student or whatever they call it because he, he lived with his parents. But we knew the same football players. There was hmm. Willie Viney and Willard Harrell, and he knew these guys. Isaac and I them. Well, we talked about it years later.
1: Right. Isaac's really smart. A lot of these guys are really smart. That's what I found. No, they're really. No, smart. that's what I found yeah. doing yeah. these interviews. Steve Miller yeah. is really smart. Sure, yeah. Right.
0: And Elvin Amen. is like ridiculous. Elvin Elvin's teaches like him. Genius, Japanese. yeah. Japanese and really and, is. Yeah. Huey is really smart. Yep. Huey Lewis. There are other people that Raminitis? I bet. He is. Muscle white. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but yeah. and but people are academically really I mean, I have a feeling that one of the things of it is to be successful because people ask me, Well, how do you be successful? not that I, I am, but I said if you want to be successful in the music business, go to school and write papers because that's what these people can do I mean, not that they write papers, but they write songs, and they, right. well, they I know mean, how to go from the yeah. beginning, to middle, and end, and
1: I, I had to sort of figure that out. Steve Miller is, like, astounding how smart he is. Right. I mean, with recording and things like that, you know, just He's, that whole thing of people that can put everything He's together. He's very,
0: um, Boz is really, Boss Gads yeah. is really smart. Yeah. And they're and really detail-oriented. I'm more sort of, I'm painting outside the numbers. I'm sort of, and I do the same thing with Little Village. I kind of like, the minutia of things is something I've had to learn how to handle at, a, at an old age. I mean, it's a little late in the game, but I'm doing it.
1: Um, yeah. And, I mean, you do have quite a wide, interest in, uh, musically. I mean, you know, you've, you've been in, in R&B, you've been in, I mean, with Etta, you know, that's Stone R&B, uh, you know, Robert Cray, which I guess you would say was, you know, blues oriented, would you call it blues oriented R&B or pop? What would you call it? I don't know what you call Robert. I mean, Robert, it's singer songwriter and, you know,
0: and, um, I mean, I think if he wasn't black, he'd probably be considered like Elvis Costello. But yeah. people kind of, because he plays guitar, I mean, that, that sounds like it's a, a fucked up thing to say. But it, it, it's true that his singing and his, song, his songwriting alone is, is unique. He could, I've seen him, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. He's another person who is, and it's complete. it's not like Steve Miller smart, I suppose but he's somebody that could sit there for five minutes and write a song mm-hmm. that I couldn't write in 50 yeah. years. It just yeah. comes out of him, and, and it's brilliant. Um,
1: yeah, you think that's just doing it all the time, or?
0: Uh, I think he's one of those people that's really gifted. Yeah, you know? It's not a parlay trick, it's not some... right. Uh, some people that the, we've mentioned that I've worked with, I think that... that um, it's calculated. It's a thing, you know. Like when I almost write like songs, studying. if I got a beginning and a middle, I can fill in the rest. Right, right. You right. know, but there's some people that just kind of start and it comes out. Yeah, it's just like it's almost like a heck? painting or something. You know, yeah. and if you compliment him, oh, especially Craig, you tell Craig, man, I really like the way he did that. He'll never do it again. Hmm. <laughs> he doesn't repeat himself. it's yeah. just you know, and yeah. he, he gets a lot of shit, but uh, from some people, and he really is, you know the coolest person I ever worked with, I guess. Yeah, and you worked with him for 20 years? Well, the way that I added up, it's about 24 years, and I call it 25 years. It's 20, uh,
1: 24 years and eight months or something like that. Uh-huh. Were you the longest member in that band, besides Richard or Richard Cousins? Or? I think that
0: I was in it, and this, you know, it doesn't make any difference. Richard that band that was with Richard and those guys when it was a quartet, that was mm-hmm. really the band and everybody else that doesn't make any it. I did it longer than anybody. Did you? But, and I thought about that too, but except that maybe one of the sound guys has done it longer. But Richard obviously is the whole thing. I mean,
1: yeah, did, him and you know, He him did and it and for Richard, 20 years and then Yeah, and Richard left. and him were like, Teenagers together, right? Yeah, yeah and,
0: and, and Bobby Murray, if you, right. you know, and that, right. and that whole thing. No, they were, and and one of them
1: is sort of extrovert and one of them is introverted. Guess, yeah. You
0: know.
1: yeah, that's kind uh, of that's. I'm starting to see that a lot, <laughs> yeah, with friendships where you know that happens. Um, and then, uh, and then I was going to say, you know, in between, you've backed up so many different people. I remember you're on. You were on that Otis Rush tour in the, I want to say it was early 80s, is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and did the record that came out on Blind Pig that's, a to me, a really great Otis Rush record. It was, I've been Tops. told,
0: that it's his favorite record. It was yeah. his favorite record. You know, the really interesting thing to me is, you know, I spent a lot of time um, sort of not telling people where I was from for various reasons. It's different in California than it is in other parts of the country. But I didn't, and, and I actually hired Otis Rush when I was a freshman in high school. I remember to you told
1: me that. And and, yeah. um,
0: and it was incredible because... What was it for, though? Just a dance. Really? It was just a dance? Well, it, it got to be, and from that... Well, you know, the, have you ever heard the, the story? It's, I guess I have told it more than once about how I hired Coco
1: Taylor. Yeah, I, saw, I read that in that... But see, you never told me that one. <laughs> Yeah, you never
0: told yeah, well, me it, it, uh, the Well, it didn't happen. You
1: told the, the thing, the part of the story I didn't
0: tell you was, know, oh, this isn't linear. I don't know if you could use it. But what happened was, is that they had, I, when I was in high school, they said, well, you have to have an activity. And I went, oh, I don't want to do it. Well, I said, okay, I'll be on the dance committee. And it was somebody's mother and a couple of girls and me. And they said, well, who do you want to hire for the play to the dance? And I go, oh, I don't know. Uh, I buy records from Bob Kester at the Jazz Record market Right. We call him. So I called her. He said, well, you know, Coco Taylor, what about that? And I went, oh, that! i just seen Peter and i just seen her at the, the Chicago Blues Festival in 69. And I was like, wow, that'd be really cool. Well, then I'm sitting there and Bob Kester, it was a three-way call with Bob Kester, me, and Willie Dixon. Wow. And I called, I guess I called her. As the story goes,
1: right, I called her he, in was that his, article. He, she talks, called, uh, talks about yeah, that, and yeah. and,
0: and um, I talked to Willie because she Willie Dixon was managing Coco so she right. came and played at the school. It was it was great and everything. And then nothing. I didn't think, Then about twenty years later, I'm playing at a blues festival in, in Santa Cruz, right. With um with with Robert and there's all these guys that are kind of like blues authorities. Dick Waterman and Harry Duncan, right? right. You know, they're standing. They're standing there, and they're talking in the backstage, and talking to this woman. And this, and I come walking by, and my campus, said, "Oh, you know, you have to meet uh, Mrs. Dixon," and it was Willie's Wood on. So Jim called, talked to to Willie on the phone when he was fourteen years old. Right. And I shook her hand and I said, Yeah, it was very nice. And right then one of them, who well, I won't say, stepped right in front of me. Like basically took this. <laughs> I ass think I know who it was. Went, oh yeah, well I do not talk about that. I'm gonna talk about me and Junior Wells at Theresa's and you know, and uh and I just went at that point, the way people are, I just kinda went, oh, okay. And I turned and walked away. And as I was walking away, they go, "Excuse me." And I, Jim, "Excuse me." And I remember I turned around, and the woman said t- Mrs. Dixon had taken the guy and pushed him out of the way and said, "I answered the phone that day." And yeah, that's wild, yeah. And she said, "That's pretty amazing." She said, "She said, <laughs> she said, you know, he he talked about that. That there was some white boy from the North Shore that huh. called her up, yeah." You know the shit so goes. So he out.
1: arranged it then for you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah he, he' arranged was the manager. For, oh, I think he go probably got. Up. He yeah. probably took twenty percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, well, and people well he go, pretty much discovered. Pe- that people go, oh, Jim, that's the coolest thing in the world. That's so cool. I go, it really wasn't that cool because at some point I had to turn the phone over to Eunice Jackson's mother. I go, (laughs) here, talk money with... (laughs) It
1: was was really dumb. It was way dumb, but anyway. (laughs) Now, the other one I remember a long time ago, you told me you called up uh, a bar in New Orleans to talk to uh, Roosevelt Sykes. That it wasn't the. I think it was the Court of Two Sisters, but I remember I did this thing for
0: my sixteenth birthday. I I said I told my parents I said because I had Blues Unlimited magazine. Mm-hmm. That magazine used to have the phone numbers of right, everything. Right, right. And right. I said I just want to call people on the phone, and I had the directory. That's for, great. I had the directory for the musicians union in Chicago too. I think my brother had. So I called up Muddy Waters, and then I started looking through this thing. Called and one of the places. Did you talk to Muddy?
1: Yeah, but I mean, what do you say? I don't know. you go, hi. When when (laughs) you hang up the phone, I met BB King, and I went, I went up to BB King in this line, and and he goes, hello. I said, do you know Muddy Waters? (laughs) And he went, yes. (laughs) <laughs> he was waiting for me to right, it's say like, something yeah, about was, him, you know, it was, it was embarrassing. Man. But
0: anyway, so I think I called, I think it was, the. but people will say it can't, couldn't be, but I think I called the Court of Two Sisters on Bourbon Street, and you could hear piano on the right, and it was like a bartender yeah. going like, oh. and then I don't can I speak to Roosevelt Sykes? Thing? Right. And it was in the, you know, Blues Unlimited right. magazine that yeah. he was playing there, the That's British, crazy. So you could hear him go, Roosevelt, the phone's for you. (laughs) And he comes, I
1: could go, "Uh, when are you coming to Chicago? And he, (laughs) like, huh? (laughs) Totally. No, that's great, though. I'm glad somebody else did it, too. (laughs) Oh, I did a lot of stupid shit like that. Yeah, I did, too, man. Same here. Well, it's funny, man. I mean, getting into it as a teen, I think there's a thing, there's a certain commitment that it takes to get into it, like, at that age.
0: Well, I, I guess. I mean, I I look at it as being a passion. I yeah. Mean, I just, well, that's. I, what really, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, and I didn't really realize the consequence of everything much at that point. It just was kind of like, I mean, I certainly didn't think one day you'll have I'll a I'll be pedigree. playing with these guys. I'll be playing. with no, yeah. It'll be a no. pedigree, and I will have started before. You know, I was but here that's first. That's the
1: amazing thing you know. about life, though, is you know that you. You idolize these guys when you're young and the next thing you know, twenty years later you're playing on stage with them. Well, and that's a that's a super exciting.
0: That's that's it. I, but I didn't certainly didn't consider well, I cert, I mean I, and I definitely wasn't intended. I mean I should I'm supposed to have been riding the Northwestern train with a Brooks Brothers suit and a ham sandwich in my briefcase. This is not what <laughs> what are you doing? Now, i not what your parents ordered. No, it's not at all. What do your brothers do, by the way? My brother, well, now, my one brother. I've one brother and two sisters. My older brother, um, he played music for years, and he actually—it's kind of—he was like he's like 90s age. He was going and playing on this and recording on the South Side when he was in high school. He was doing it way early, as wow. well. And you know something? I'll tell you. My parents, like I was the youngest one. By the time I was a freshman in high school. Not everybody else in my family was gone. So I'd sit there with my parents and they weren't real happy people at this point. And my father goes, you know, Jim, I know you're going down there to the south side and you're trying to sneak into places. And if you keep doing that, they're going to kill you. You know, so knock that off. And my mother would sort of go, oh, Ezra, leave him alone. I did the
1: same thing in high school. <laughs> and she goes, go, Gene, God damn it, what? because he was from Texas <laughs> and she was from Chicago. So, yeah, you know, that's that, great. You know, Did she go to the South Side?
0: Well, it, she ran, she had boyfriends and stuff and ran around and everything. Well, right. I mean, the whole thing of people, of white people and trying to, you know, embrace black culture is right. nothing new. It like, goes, and then, no. you, you know, and Papa said, he goes, he goes, you know, and I know you're smoking marijuana and this is like 69 or something. You know? right? You don't do that. And she goes, ah, I'll leave him alone. I didn't see it <laughs> That's <laughs> you crazy. Who the that fuck
1: that Your I'm mom marrying. saved the day. <laughs> right. And then you were how old when you moved to California?
0: Well, it was like, uh, right after high school. I mean, I, the first person I think I played with of note was Luther Tucker. Oh, really? And I played okay. with him at
1: a country rose on Irving. Now, do you remember what year? 74... Was this with uh, uh, with uh, Was Gary in the band Gary Silva? Do I remember? don't remember.
0: I don't really. There was a, some guy who I think was from France playing guitar. Obviously, it wasn't Paris Slam, But there was, I didn't know. any, they were kind of like Marin guys, right? Right. That's was kinda, how Tucker always. But I didn't Marin think guy. it was particularly right. That they great. thought they were great. Of course, did they did. So. Yeah, they
1: were playing with Luther Tucker. You know, they were from Marin. They were playing with Luther. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, the the best band I remember seeing Luther with back then was he had uh, Gary and Stu Blank. Well that would have been and that's a good band. Yeah. You know, and the thing it was so sort of typical of
0: the way that I am. I, I I remember talking to Luther and he was nice to me, although they tried to stiff me. I think he was managed <laughs> by some guy. But anyway, it was like there was a <laughs> Why am I not and, surprised? And, you know, and and uh um but what I was going to say, oh, the, uh, I said, oh, you know, I have the Soda's Rush record and you should do one of those songs. He goes, well, okay. He had a way of talking. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, well, he, and yeah he goes, I yeah, know. Uh, well, maybe I probably should. You know, no, I don't maybe know that I record. I went it. home and looked at it and he was on it. I don't. I am telling him to play
1: one. a song that's on a record that he's on. <laughs> you idiot. But anyway, that was. That's great. And then uh, I remember also that you were telling me Dottie's. Stardust Lounge yes. in San Francisco. Uh, that Charles Brown had a gig there.
0: He didn't.
1: He would come in. His picture was on
0: the wall. He would come in and play organ. As you know, was as he some, just sitting in? Yeah, he didn't have a gig there. Oh, okay. he would come. He would. They were friends. Right. Had been. Louis Madison was the organ player there. Who was the guy who had been in the Famous Flames? Right, right. And he was actually one of the first organ players that I really listened to. Um, a lot. There were a lot of great organ players <coughs> at that time in San Francisco, but he was, he was one of them. He and, and people later on. He a typical thing. Um, later on, when he played at uh, at Eli's, he was kind of a little bit around the bend. But when he played, right. when he played at Dottie's, he seriously could flat out play tempo bebop. Wow. Yeah. No, he could really, and I then go into. That. You know, uh, I stand accused, but with a big, huge organ right. version of it and sing it. It, it was tough. It wow. was really tough. So,
1: She had a great act, too. She, she did. She did a thing with her butt cheeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she did the tempo thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you ended up at Larry Blake's, I want to say, within... Was that about seventy-eight? No, it was, later, was it on. later. I
0: started playing with Elvin, I think like in eighty one. And then I had gotten married and had a kid, and, and I kind of went back and forth and I stopped I only played with Elvin for like two, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. And then but and I didn't really know any of those guys that were in that band in the rap band. I or I didn't know any of those guys idea. that played. With Elvin. I mean, I met all Oh, really? Some okay. of them I kind of knew. I knew Tyler because he used to play with, I knew of him because he played in Gideon and Power. Um, but, so, I, you know, it's one of those weird kind of slightly. Was open, Carl
1: in the band? Yeah.
0: Carl Severin. Uh, yeah. yeah. I went to Blake's on a Thursday night, and I don't know what it was, but the guy who played piano. Mm. Clay, Car- Clay Cotton? Right. He sort of, at the end of the night, he was no longer playing in the rap band and I was. Right. It was, And I played and I started playing on Monday nights with you. I that remember. was almost, yeah, I, I played Thursday night and then I came back and played on Saturday and then I played on Monday. I didn't start thinking about money until I was married and had a kid, you know, right.
1: and all of right. a couple Cause of Right, because that's kids. when it becomes crystal clear. Right, yeah. I mean,
0: sort of. Uh, and then I didn't really start thinking about it until I got a mortgage. I mean, once you right. got a mortgage, then the game is kind of over. Right. The only money I've ever made really is from buying and selling houses. That I loved. really, oh, wow, yeah. right. So it's like that.
1: So the the other the other guy I know you're with for a long time was uh, was Chris Isaac. Yeah, I, I was. Well, that's you said that was Ken- about a decade? That was about Kenny Dale
0: Johnson. I right. don't think it was... It might have been. The last record I played
1: on him was the Christmas record.
0: Yeah, it was maybe
1: right around that. And then that was the early 2000s. Was Etta about a decade, Etta James?
0: Well, that was from right around the time from... It started out being with... Was the kind of the rat band. That was in the early 80s. Right, I remember that. And then after a while, she started to have her. her her own band. It was kind of an amazing story.
1: Um, So she was kind of like, at the point when she started playing with the rap band, she really didn't have a group, did she? No, she used different groups.
0: She was one of those. There's a lot of people that have done it that way. She had sort of musicians all over. And then she started to carry certain musicians and pick up other ones. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, she had a band that was basically... It was a lot... You know, it's interesting because it was a lot of um, Bay Area musicians, even though she lived in L.A. and worked with all right. those L.A. musicians. Right. She really was sort of, in some ways, of San Franciscan more than she was anything Well, she was from there, right? Right, but you yeah. would figure that she would have, you know...
1: Well, Being in L.A.
0: for so long, yeah. It's an interesting combination. I mean, she had... I, that's where I started working with Mike Finnegan. Ah, um, right. Um, he's the only organ player I've ever... Oh, he's the only keyboard player I've ever worked with. Usually, when there's two keyboards, I play organ and then the other person plays piano. But with mm-hmm. him, I play piano and he played organ.
1: So you guys were always on those instruments. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, interesting. I um, juggle playing with with um, Chris Isaac and Robert Craig because Chris just sort of said, "Look, whenever you don't have a gig with Robert, just send me a, a tell me and I'll send you a plane ticket." And mm-hmm. There were times when I was like doing, like I'd be on the road with both at the same time and going back and forth because yeah, he would play wow. without a keyboard player. Yeah, and then eventually it took him a while. I think that's because I kept telling him. I said, you know, you can get someone to do this for you full time. Right. To, you know, right. There's no mystery about it. Um, yeah. He's he's you know he's another guy. He's a really smart guy. He's a great guy. Um, and my and Kenny Dale Johnson, who you know, right. I'm friends yeah. with. Yeah, and, and, and you know, he and I are friends. We're kind of like we still. It's pathetic. We talk. Well, like, yeah, I think we both knew we talk, Kenny
1: before he was even playing with Chris. Oh yeah, isn't that right for sure. Yeah. And mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, I, I, I talk to him four or five times a week. Do four or five times a day. Okay, yeah, we didn't have for we'll years. Tell him so hello. I mean, for sure. Um, he and he's done that gig for because that started in the early '80s. Right. So. Um, so yeah, in fact, I remember after an A's game one time, I went and saw you. He uh, was he was driving, and we went to
1: Eli's and saw you play. Right. Well, he was one of the first Texans I think I met that had moved to California. So it's kind of like you know, it's kind of a big deal when you meet somebody a working musician from Texas. I'm in a band now, but I'm the only guy that's not from Texas. Really? Yeah. Now, who's that? The Phantom Blues Band. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because, uh, let's, draw, I'm blanking on the, Tony terms. Rodigal. Tony everybody Rodigal has their Texas. own way of, that's the other thing that's yeah. really
0: interesting about blues, is everybody has their own way of playing it, and everybody thinks that they're right, you know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I mean, and okay. you better get a rhythm section that, that feels right about each other, huh? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. You know, people
0: like... I did a gig recently where they, somebody, and it was with a, a band, a big band, and they'd written out Sweet Home Chicago. And it was one of these, like, ten-page <laughs> charts. You know, and a guy, a very studious-looking guy, the bass player, goes, on, Jim, I understand you know something about this music. Now, if there's anything that you can tell me to do... That will make it more authentic. Did that work? I go, you see how at the end of every 12 bars it goes, da, 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 He goes, yeah. Trust that. Don't ever
1: play that again in your life. And don't go, da, 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 da. Yeah, you can believe leave. Oh, God. That's funny. Yeah, that is a big no-no, all right. Well, it's just something you get kind of tight. Yeah. Um. So, so basically, you were on the road with with Robert until uh, Robert Cray until you were sixty. Yeah,
0: I mean it so, was.
1: So it you're was, talking a lot of road
0: stuff. Yeah, it was from my early thirties to you know, just about sixty. I think it was within months of my sixtieth, weeks of my sixtieth yeah. birthday. Now that you think about it, I think it was. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And so when you left that gig. That's kind of when you kind of went, time to change things. Well, I I, I realized I have enough
0: of what little sense I have. I realized that um, nobody wants a 60-year-old piano player. Um, and also, I, I just wasn't sure I wanted to get in the back of a bus and ride around... Right, doing what I'd done, I'd become pretty cynical and kind of burned out on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I had been for a while. I did the gig probably, yeah, you know, according to them, probably 10. It's very nice. Robert was very, very considerate about the whole thing. I became a pain in the ass. But when I got done, I really tried to focus on, um, oh, it's, it's real silly, but when you get in a position, I mean, I was 60 years old, I still I had a mortgage, I still had kids in the house, I had things I had to, I mean, I. I to figure stuff out so i sort of hit on this idea of starting a record company mainly uh with the idea that i was going to do something that i had a passion for um and i was only gonna i was trying to just dis- really it was there was a certain amount of forethought i tried to make sure that i only did the things that i wanted to do and could do and not do the things that i couldn't do and by that People go like, will you give the artists 1,000 CDs? That's so yeah, that's great. that's a good deal. Yeah, that's a great deal. But yeah. well, you know the thing is, is that it's, they go, that's really great you do that. And I go, no, actually it's because I don't, everybody I know that has a record company, they either owe money or they're owed money. And I I can't keep track of anything. Right, right. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in the business. And the way that Little Village is set up, the artist is responsible for all of those things. It's so like, do they
1: pretty much do their own ads and that kind of. thing? Well, no, no, no. The promotion and all that. We. Oh, you that. guys do the.
0: Promotion. Oh yeah. Okay. No, there, the, uh, there's, you know, and a and a and a book gigs and uh, you know, yeah. some When I can. You
1: you kind of do showcases and yeah and, things and also like that. And, yeah. f-
0: and music and the festivals and right. and there are opportunities and now I'm, I'm doing. We're doing sort of different npr kind of
1: radio programs it and seems like you're able to work that yeah so have you guys true. had any luck with grammy nominations or anything like that we haven't gotten a grammy nomination yet yeah. no uh, and you
0: know and that's funny too because the first record i ever produced was the gospel hummingbirds was a quartet and that got nominated for a grammy and that was and blind Pig." and that was blind Pig." right and back then and then every record i did with cray and i produced a few records for Cray that got nominated too. I always kind of like just figure. Well, it'll be anybody could get nominated. Well, it's a, it's or...
1: a, that's a label thing though. There's a definite label. Well, Blind Pig got, not, you know, they. That's what nominate. I'm saying because I mean I got nominated on a Blind Pig
0: record. Well, I don't know how
1: they did it. They, I think it. Yeah, they had some. kind at of At that end. time, though, they had they, some kind of. At end.
0: that time, I don't think there was any other um, record. No, they said that the the only one was Roy Rogers and Norton Buffalo that had been nominated. But anyway, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Grammy nominations are great. Winning a Grammy, I've, I've done that. I've got one. I only have one Grammy. God, the shows what an asshole I am. I only have one Grammy, and so what I do is I, in the summertime. Is like, it is for it, is it for Cray? Yeah, yeah. And you have to be the in order to get a Grammy, you have to be the artist. And so it was the Robert Cray band. And band. So they gave right. all of us. right. So right. anyway. I <laughs> Sometimes I use it as a doorstop on the front door. People come over and they go, they welcome hey. go, Hey, is that a Grammy? I go, oh, that. You
1: know, it's like, what do you do? <laughs> Maybe you should just have it on your kitchen table where know, the bills are. You no, know, right? You know, it's like it's. What do you right. do? I mean, right. I don't
0: have. There's people you go to people's houses and they got thirty of them. And they got you know.
1: gold records all over their walls.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a vanity wall, and I I sort of did that I, when my kids were growing up. I did have a vanity wall because Deborah insisted that they at least be able to have they couldn't have any pride in knowing me personally they could at least look at the wall and go well,
1: I guess he's done so. <laughs> well here's something I'm, I'm curious about. So being on the road all that time with your wife at home taking care of the kids, how much guilt do you think gets into that? Oh there's
0: I'm not sure with, with who who's got the guilt you why for being gone Yeah. Well, somebody told me. Wayne Jackson told me early on that you know, if you're there for your family when you're like, if I came home and immediately split, right, then that would have been bad. But so you're I'm saying you wouldn't do that? No, I yeah. supported my family, you know, and you know, and the interesting thing about the Robert Cray band was for a long time I was the only person in the band that wasn't a military brat.
1: That yeah, kind of
0: life. Yeah. And actually, I have I have kind of an admiration for I do for people that grow up in that life because I think there's a lot of techniques and things that they they learn how to get along, mm-hmm. you know. They know how to figure out, you know, how to meet new people,
1: right? And all all right, things how to get find some place to eat, you know. Right. Kind of real basic stuff that you have yeah. to have if you're moving. From and place it's the same thing with
0: my family. I think I've been really fortunate that my kids have. For, for I mean I'm very
1: happy and yeah.
0: they are and my wife is now, but you, there I'll, certainly
1: is a lot of there's a lot of baggage you bet
0: <laughs> well that's I guess
1: what I'm saying yeah, because sure. I mean I know I know that's definitely the case with me to a certain degree with my kids and and uh, you know my wife and, and so on but I mean you know it sort of comes with the job doesn't it
0: yeah and I don't you know, I, I've i been fortunate that, I mean, like when I was home, I would, and there were, there's, there definitely, I mean, Craig doesn't, I think even when he worked a lot, it was probably, you were gone six months out of the year. Wow, that's a lot.
1: It is. Yeah. But you're around
0: six months out of the year. Right. You're so fair. that's a
1: lot better than some. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. there are a lot, of, man, there are a lot of people I know that take their kids to childcare at six o'clock in the morning. Come and pick them up at eight o'clock at night. Right, that's pretty <clears throat> awful. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's you know, pretty I awful. I didn't do that. Yeah. Know, so. Well, so the uh, so back to uh, Little Village. Uh, did, did you come? How did you come up with that name? By the way, I mean, I already know. I think, but well, from you have kind of a double double meaning on it, don't you?
0: Well, sure. Um, I you know I don't I don't really know. I don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't so much the anecdotal part of it, although that was part of it. I think part of it was the idea. I, I really wanted, I realized early on, as we all know, that people who are known are not necessarily, there's plenty of people around that are musicians that nobody ever hears a music. Right. And so I tried to, from that point of view, and, I, and to make it that kind of thing, um, that we would do that. And I'm trying to do something really small. I'm not trying. To, it's amazing if you take the profit out of the music business, you really are free to experiment with things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. I've done right. Teenage Mariachi in Bakersfield. I've done, we've got a record coming out in Tagalog that's um, these three Filipino-American women. Um, that's It's Beautiful and, and, and Aki Kumar, the whole thing with Aki right. Kumar, Aki's blown w- up with uh, you know, singing songs in Hindi to mm-hmm. blues, sort of inflected. That whole thing that would never happen with a record company. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. And
0: and, um, and so there've been and there's there's and there's a lot of stories. The great thing about Little Village is, first of all, it's like I. I I give nothing but credit to people like Kid Anderson and to and to Rick Estrin and their and Mike Kappas and all the people that help. Strockwitz, how about Strockwitz. Strockwitz? Strockwitz, as yeah. you probably know I don't know about your relationship with Chris Strockwitz, but he never really gave me the time of day.
1: Well he kinda, did, kinda he, he kinda did every other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was sort of a grumpy old man. That yeah, he like, cur- he, he yeah, he
0: was a curmudgeon, yeah. But he, he could do be like,
1: fascinating to talk oh, to. Oh, no. If you I, got him on a good day, he was
0: fascinating. The last few years of his life, yeah. I and when I had started Little Village, he was very, very helpful to me. Yeah. And and really inspiring. I mean, he was really like, this is really great that you're doing this as fast. It's wonderful. And, you know, uh, at the same time, he would say horrible things about other people. I mean, he was really very nice. And we went to, I went to some dances with him and, and, and I'd pick him up at his place. And so that was really, he was one of, one of a lot of people, but there's like the real nuts and bolts of, of Little villages it has little, it doesn't have that much to do with me. Um, I've been lucky to sort of been a good judge of character. See it, Mark, I'm friends with you and I have good, Good sense of things. <laughs> no, I'm really lucky because there's, there's, and there's more on the horizon. And I've sort of developed a saying that originally all I wanted to do was play and produce records, and I don't produce records so much anymore, and I kind of don't even play that much anymore. I've sort of gotten into the part of the business that I swore that I didn't want anything to do with, and that's kind of board governance and development and
1: uh, right. But you know, those are great skills to have. Yeah, I mean, in music, it's a very rare thing for actual musicians to get involved in the nuts and bolts of the business.
0: Well, it it has been, um, you know, we've done. I think it's going to be. We've done in in less than in nine years, eight nine years. We've done seventy records. That's amazing. Somebody told me today. Yeah, that's really. Oh, amazing. Brett from um, uh, from Living Blues told me that's more than Alligator does in a year. But it's also yeah. it's not held to the same standard, and so it's not quite the same thing. But all you need to do is help people a little bit, and it makes a difference. There are plenty we use as a metric. If somebody goes to somewhere else and gets a real record deal, Chris Isaac, did. yeah,
1: or Chris Kane, Chris Chris you mean, Chris yeah, Isaac, Chris Kane, Chris Kane, and there's other people right. too. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you Kevin did a record Hart, on. Uh, you did the record on Ron. Ron was or, somebody
0: who, unfortunately, um, it was just a little bit too late because Ron Thompson, yeah, yeah, was you know he of course along with yourself I went back into the seventies with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was very very talented, great artist, yeah, yeah, um, and so that's kind of you know it is. I've done a fair number of records. Did you do a day. record on Fillmore Slam? I'm trying to remember. No, I couldn't justify. Um, I, I I got up. It was sort of the board of directors, and it was also. I mean, I'm doing. I'm working with children's groups. Right. And the right. I got the biggest you. pimp in the world. Yeah. know.
1: Like,
0: you can't <laughs> do that. You know. I was going to
1: say Tia Carroll. You did a record with. Hell, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Did John? Was John Blues Boy one of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of the blues ones right at the moment. Oh well, there's there's Ron Chris Kane. We Willie Walker. We Willie Walker. Right. Yeah. Um, and now Alabama. Alabama Mike. Mike. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then Marcel Smith has done sort of a soul. Right. Movie. And then you did H K Harrell. D K Harrell. D K yeah, Harrell. And I did D. Um, Mary Harrell. Flower. Really? Yeah. Now she's been around a long time, right?
0: Right, but I just thought that it's not a matter of, you know, no, it's, it's not a matter of the very young. I mean, it's say, it's you
1: know. more the idea of somebody that deserves some a platform.
0: Well, it is that, but it's also somebody that somehow has a story that's somewhat compelling because I don't think being really good at what you do is in the music business is enough. I think you have to I don't or at least I think that for in order for me to be able to help for Little Village to help, there has to be some kind of underlying story that that they can they can promote themselves with mm-hmm. as well. And it, it has been um Marina Krauss was a woman who was an R and B singer we did a record with. Oh, okay. And then she decided on her own to do um, a, a record in Spanish and she really came was the singer for this I think it's fair to say this transformation of where she came to realize who she was hmm. from doing because she grew up in a house where you weren't allowed to speak Spanish, like a lot of people, hmm. I'm told, in the United States. Yeah. And actually the similar thing I have to say was that way with Aki Kumar. Right. Where it was this sort of ambivalence and and, and tormented of am I an American or am I an, an Indian, you know, or what am I? Oh, I remember and that this, whole thing really clearly. And, and this yeah. and this comment it, it it has you know the lasting of uh, the effect of it has had uh, on his life on his life. and I'll tell you I did gigs with him where there were expats from India that that we would do parties for, and they would just, go nuts. and oh, they yeah. would just be go nuts. Right. Yeah. They would become overcome because here's something they're familiar with. Right. And here's something they're familiar with and you're combining right. it two, And they really felt a part of it. Yeah. And I love that kind of thing. It's like, you can have a month at Albert Hall, take it. I don't want it. I'll do this, this kind of things. And it's happening. If I stop and think about it, it happens over and over again. So that's a big part.
1: Well, the incredible thing about Aki, because I watched him go from you know, tip of the top, which was like a small blues band. And then all of a sudden he kinda, I think him and Jason Ricci got together and they started, he started talking about this idea he had. Of doing the Bollywood. Well, thing. that's an interesting thing because, actually, according to him, he
0: w- I was the first person that he talked to about doing uh, it.
1: He was definitely talking and I to Jason. Jason and I, I
0: actually talked him into doing it. But Did that's you? okay. That, well, I know I know, now, Jason this was is also Jason the part was, where I don't
1: take credit for well, Jason was definitely. I'm sure. Yeah, he you know, was like, very much the in great the. Thing in about the, mix. Non,
0: the great thing about nonprofit work, too, is is that it doesn't make any difference if it sells five records or a million records, because I don't own any of the records. Right. I, right. It's not going to make any difference in terms They're of... They're making
1: uh, the money. No, they, and no. They, they enjoy the success yeah, so, of yeah. yeah, Well, the, the the big thing I got from Aki was that he was kind of at this place of, do I want to try to do this American art form being somebody from India, or do I want to bring part of me into the whole thing? right and that that was the crux of where he was well that's part of you know i'll tell you that's part of the thing that i tell people the
0: perspective artists with little village i said look this is the first time and maybe the only time that a record company is going to say do whatever you want do whatever you
1: want right really do what the more you
0: because you know i have people coming to me and they say well, I have a blues band, and I have a corporate dance band, and I have a jazz band, and I have right. a swing band. Which one would you like? And I go, I don't want any of them. I only want you to do what, you know, who are you? What yeah. are you? Um, people don't, a lot of times, and I think Berkeley School of Music and other places are responsible for everybody feels like they have to cover everything. When, it's, as we know, it takes a lifetime just to learn one idiom. I'm still trying to figure out things about how to play blues i certainly don't you know understand that so
1: the other guy thought i was junior you did a record on junior watson oh yeah no that's yeah. right and that was because of Kadar was it because of cater yeah yeah
0: i mean well and and he the other thing that's happened with little village is that there are people that are like quote unquote sort of more established you know that they don't want to deal with record companies right. for whatever reason. I think Junior was kind of that. Yeah, right? Junior's probably like that. And, you know, Chris Chris Kane, I should say, Chris Kane, when he made a record for Little Village, it was at a really, uh, um, probably a low point in his life. And, and from that, and you can ask Bruce, hey, look at Iglaar, but, you know, he, and I bad he said, I can quote him, is that he would not have signed... Um, he would not have signed Chris if he hadn't done a record for Little Village first. Interesting. It was sort of a way of him proving that he was capable of doing it. Huh. Interesting. So, wow. And there's been other people too, sort of examples like. Well, Gary
1: Vogenson's another one. You did a record on. Yeah. Or he uh, did uh, the record and put it out on. Uh, on no, yours.
0: I did. I, yeah. I played on and I did. Yeah. I didn't produce it. They kind of he kind of produced it himself. That, that was really good. I mean, it. it um, and I hope that it's done well for Gary. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, he, th- sometimes with people that are old, people that are our age, they just kind of go, oh, yeah, fine, I'll do it. take care of it from here. Nice talking to you. you know right. He didn't, And it wasn't anything intentional. It's just like he knew what he wanted to do, and he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that I feel, you know, I could have done a better job. You know, the thing is, for as much as people poo-poo, blues music, and it only represents .008% of it. Right, right. It's, it's tiny. I'll yeah. tell you, there's a blues society in every town in America, and there's there are more periodicals and more award shows, and these people, we support our music. God, I can't believe I'm saying things like that, but it is true. The idiom really does, for right or wrong, really supports, it's very supportive. So if you write, if you're a great Americana songwriter like Maurice Tanney, who we recorded, He's a vital part of Little Village, and a brilliant songwriter. But man, it is a crowded field, and blues is crowded. But they give you said there's
1: more. There's more support. There's fan more outlets,
0: outlets yep. for it. There's more
1: fans. There's right.
0: more organization. It's really right. got this infrastructure that's yeah. pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, compared to Americana.
0: Well, Americana is just it's 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 very. It embraces a whole lot. There's huge numbers of people trying to do the same thing.
1: Right, you know? right.
0: It doesn't have the magazines.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: magazines are just, blues magazines are amazing, or blogs, they're just like, it's endless. And I'm sure that there is, but Maurice has done, done and, and, and um, Gary Vogenson really could have, should have, he's got a beautiful voice, and he, He's a good songwriter. Yeah, so he that is a good record, songwriter. that one yeah. was sort of one that got a little bit of what. I don't want yeah. to say it's not a success. I just I could have done a better job.
1: Well, if you're doing ten releases a year or nine releases a year, that's that's going to keep you busy. Well, yeah,
0: but. It, a lot of it is. A lot of these record companies, I think, spend a lot of time trying to get paid, or trying to pay people, or trying to keep right. everything straight. That's a big part of their business. Right. But I don't do that. I mean, I, I hire publicists. I hired, you know, everything. It's all kind of farmed out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it. Uh, it's worked out well, and it's continuing to. And it's got now. It's got. We're sort of in the process of setting it up so that I can. Step away from it because I'm too old.
1: Really? Well, the, we're gonna. You know, I mean, do you have kind of an apparatus? Yeah, already, yeah. in place. I mean, there's
0: a board of, you know, there's a board of directors, and there's, and now it's with the purpose of setting it up in such a way that the thing can run itself if I step away. Wow. And we'll get another executive director. That's pretty cool.
1: Talk yeah. about some of the new people you're recording because I knew this. Uh, what's the? Who's the woman from? I think she's from St. Louis. Candace, Candace Ivory, yeah. yeah Candace,
0: Candace Ivory. Ivory's, um, she's a professor, I believe, and she has an an amazing lineage. Um, she's a singer. She um, she's related to, and I don't know enough about the idiom of that North Mississippi, um, whatever you call it, um, hill country music. Mm-hmm she's related to those people and she's also related to joseph jarman i believe the guy in the art ensemble of chicago hmm. and she knows it is very knowledgeable about all all the way through and she's done a record of tribute to, uh, so i guess you could call it a tribute but it's the music of memphis mini they're all right. songs that she had written and we had hooked her up i've been doing records with charlie Hunter. um oh okay no you know. yeah i know who yeah. that is um he he used to live he's in the a, Bay Area. He lived in Berkeley. For, yeah. yeah, and he's very much a Berkeley guy. Is he still guy. there? No, no, no. Yeah. He got a deal on Blue Note and moved to New York. Wow. And then right. he was a big, he's... And he's interesting, Mark, you yeah. would love this because he was a real serious jazz bow. Right. He plays bass and guitar at the same time, which right. is just remarkable. And he's done pop, you know, not pop, but he did D'Angelo's Voodoo record, which is was made 20-something years ago, but still is... Hmm one of the most definitive and influential records that's been made in the last 50 years. But um, he's done all kinds of stuff. And, and he, I knew him when he was in Disposable Heroes of Hip-Hop, or So he's done rap and all that. But he, he moved to New York, now he lives in North Carolina, and some he lives in Greensboro. Somehow he fell into this thing of Blind Blake really and he now says yeah these jazz bows call me up from new york and want me to come play at the blue note and i go nah it's okay i just want to stay here and learn blind blake wow he's completely
1: that's so on cool. the other way around but so most cool, these musicians
0: man. learn blues and then yeah the that can spin out yeah. and play jazz he has played jazz and is now spinning back. That mind. is such a trip. Man. Yeah, it is. And yeah. so this record has And got, Blind Blake is not easy to play. Not easy. And he also will tell you that yeah. you, know, you all have been playing it wrong. Well, yeah. it's, it's, I think from playing bass and playing well, guitar yeah, at the, the same whole, time. The whole, because there's yeah. this, he said, in order to play in, the, in you know, the bars, you had to be able to play really, really loud. Mm. And you had to play really hard. And there was various, because it was before amplification, right, before amplification. Well, anyway, it's it's a fascinating thing. He made a record with, he's done three records for Little Village. One was this pedal steel, sacred steel guy, Deshawn Hickman, who I'm really happy to say has gotten, he didn't know anything about blues, he didn't know anything really, or, or about, you know, the BMAs or... The blues blessing. He's gotten nominated all the way. I don't think he's won, but he's gotten embraced by this whole other audience of music, as well as it's spilled over into the now the the uh, bluegrass community in, in North Carolina, which is very progressive. Wow! They've started. To, you know, he's starting to appear on shows with them, and so it's just sort of blossoming out beautifully. Um, we did a record with Charlie Hunter with uh, with Nick Clark, who I'm sure is some Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And that wow. record too has done really has done really well. Wow, for, I did not know that. Yeah. Is he uh, playing blind blank Blake type stuff on huh? No, no, he's not playing. No, this has got more. Uh, but it, it's it's definitely it's singer songwriter. They're all songs by Nick. Uhhuh. He plays harmonica. But it's Charlie Hunter backing him up. Yeah, Charlie Hunter and 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 a guitar player that he uses. Um, I mean, a, I'm sorry, a drummer that he uses down there. Mm-hmm. That's just really and it's a real interesting. I think North Carolina is a fast place He plays in Charlie's. Does he live grade, in Asheville or something? think yeah, he's in Greensboro. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I was spent a year ago I, I went to I went to North Carolina for a week and drove around and listened to all kinds of music. Yeah,
1: it's a pretty awesome state in terms of music. There's a lot, it going, is on a there. lot going on. There's a lot going on and and um my friend Bobby Radcliffe moved there who was like a staunch New Yorker for like 40 I years. I knew I knew. Yeah, Bobby Radcliffe from from uh, He's from D.C. originally. Well, you know. <laughs> the, he was on Blacktop.
0: There are a lot of people. I mean, New York is. What is it? Have you ever been to Cary, North Carolina? No. Cary is kind of in the middle of the of the triangle. Raleigh, Durham. Right, and right. It's right in the middle. And they call it the containment area for relocated Yankees.
1: Really? That's what it stands for. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's a thing of where New York is. <laughs> That's great. There are more New Yorkers in North Carolina. Than That's there. a trip, man. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Now uh, you did one that I thought was really fascinating on uh, this woman that worked at the enrichment uh, at the state park. Oh, that uh, was who, Betty Reed Austin. She was like how
0: old? She's for well, no, She's one hundred and three. She's one hundred. She was one hundred huh? years old. She was the oldest living park ranger and uh, the oldest park ranger in America. Is it the uh, and Rosie River Was that Ritter, like an music. oral
1: history that you did?
0: Well, she had gone. Yeah, I, I conclude anything that can be recorded. On it. Yeah. And now it's kind of because be she was fascinating, man. Her thing, Mark, which you probably would find, she and we recorded a bunch. Of, well, or she had a bunch of speeches that she'd uh-huh. done for oh, like the.
1: I she, heard her on NPR, by the
0: Right? No, no. Yeah. She's she's become a really. She speaks at the, I don't know all those different kinds of uh, press clubs and right, uh, different, right, like. corporate events she speaks and and, um but anyway she at one speech she talks about because she's from new orleans but she was raised in basically in berkeley Hmm. but she said that world war ii that kaiser shipbuilding went down into arkansas louisiana and texas and there was something like a hundred thousand people yep that came to live in Richmond, Berkeley, and Oakland, mainly yeah. in Richmond, partially in Oakland Berkeley, and Oakland, and she said that was really the beginning of the civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's being kind of provincial, right? yeah. but it, but it really, I mean, with the way she describes it, it is because here are these people, close to a hundred thousand people, that moved there. There's no real Jim Crow. to speak up certainly not like there was in that part of the south Mm -hmm. there wasn't that so so these people are riding to work every day on the bus right they're eating in restaurants they're having they're having to figure out how to get along a whole different and from that and that's you know to me musically i swear that's why when i came out from chicago i had people said music in san francisco "Eh, i don't know and i go listen as i go And then I went over and discovered Mexican music and funk and gospel and all this stuff over there and this merge convergence. I mean, really Little Village in terms of, you know, we say that the life filled with diverse music builds empathy, you know, and it makes for a better world. I mean, it it sounds trite to say it. That's the great thing about music is you don't have to say, you can just listen to the music, you can hear it in the music. But it really is Berkeley. Blurry blacks. really is Berkeley. Absolutely, I and mean, I don't mean to. to well, in a, ways, in a lot from, of ways, in a lot of ways, I
1: think what you've kind of done is is a bit of a carryover from what Strachwitz did. In Except that he, of, first of all, he was. That's for he, was a man. he was a businessman. He was a he was a business. And man. the other
0: thing is, he was, uh, I'm a musician, and I'm only right. looking at it from right. music. And it's a different. It's a different and place to be coming from. It's a yep. different
1: thing. It and is. I don't want to own publishing either. Right. I no, own. I know because he was. I know a lot of. A lot of the inside scoop on. That, I'm so. I base what
0: I do completely on emotion, right? On emo- the emotional but aspect hearing, of music. Yeah. I don't care about. So I mean, people go, "Well, you're a curator," and I go, "No, I'm not. Yeah.
1: I'm just how you know when making you're just music, finding things friends. you enjoy. That's all. I'm Collecting yeah. things. and trying to like trying to get things rocks out there. on the beach or something. Yeah. Shells. Yeah, that's
0: all. And 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 it ends up, I think. You know, so what started out as an idea, as like Mike Kappa said, that there's, there's plenty of proof that this actually is working. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I say it or not, it is. It's right. proof. I don't have to prove it. Right. But there is proof.
1: Yeah. So, Well, I love the idea of of like taking things that are interesting to you and putting them out there. To The benefit of people, yeah, so, and there's that. Yeah. Well, you were at that party at Kids House, I mean, in a lot of ways. Those well, are I'm ways. trying to do that with these podcasts. I mean, the podcasts for me are something I'm not making a dime on. I'm nobody that I'm interviewing is making a dime, but we're putting them out there. Well, I'm definitely making, making a dime, I'm just I'm making blues money, it's still money. right, not right, <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know. But my point is that. that For me, it's interesting, like talking to people like you or, or, you know, whoever else I'm talking to and putting it out there so people can find out about, you know, these stories, because it's all stories.
0: Absolutely. Everything is stories. And I have learned that you're absolutely right. And the ability to tell your story is, or tell a story, is more important to people who might support you than it is anything else. Yeah. You know, it's not... Yeah. You know, somebody said, you know, there's not enough time left in your life, Jim, to learn QuickBooks. Put those things away. <laughs> Nobody, no <laughs> <to> go, <laughs> tell me a story. Show me right. the magic. Don't right. show me those numbers. You don't know, have any idea what you're doing. I
1: right. You know, all of a sudden, that's a, I'm, yeah. I'm in second year algebra again. Jim. Well, I, I know it's got to be exciting for you to just have this kind of new thing that you're, oh, yeah. that you're excited about. It, it, it's it's great and,
0: and, and I'm very, very blessed. And I have a lot, like I say, I have a lot of talented people and you know a lot of them um, and support from people. So I'm yeah. real grateful. I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm, I, I was very close to becoming a bitter, cynical musician. And a lot of people probably think I say am, yeah, but I'm not, I'm, I'm really inspired by things. Yeah, that's great. God, it ended up on a deal. Can I be, figure out a way to end up being really cool? Yeah. Sure, like truly. No, I know. <laughs> do an imitation.
1: Uh, do do Luther. Tucker. You know, you forgot. I really want to do a record for you, and you never even bothered to call me up. Wow,
0: that's wild.
1: Tell me, do Tucker? But Son of Road would say, <laughs> Jim Pugh. I gotta say, for all the bullshit you've been spouting, you're a pretty good guy.
0: <laughs> Do you know, I've had that, since I've gone bald and grown a beard, I've had people come up to me like Sonny Rhodes. I mean, I, I, I he died before I, um, I had a beard, but he came up to me at one point and goes, Jim, I had no
1: idea that was you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's happening with all of us I mean I
0: know it's like people just go I'm sorry I didn't you know well thank you Jim yeah